Lord, we ask you to bless this time as we look at your word, as we look at what you would want us to see from this. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 8. And there were in the field, the same country, shepherds abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be unto all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be the sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. And suddenly there were with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass that as, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go into, unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe laying in the manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told to them concerning the child. And all they that heard it wondered at those which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these sayings and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. We're looking at the shepherds and, you know, this whole series this month is being on trusting God in different times, difficult times or whatever. And we want to take a look, the shepherds. Now, for us Gentiles, long 2,000 years away from them, we think of these Gentiles and they get this elevated position of being very important people. But in their day, they were not looked, they, they were not looked on very, very well. They spent all their time out with sheep. They did not go to the synagogues. They did not go to the, uh, the temple very often because they had to not be with their sheep for a week or two before that to get, to get right. They usually stank because they did not get cleaned up and they were with their sheep all the time. And they were not respected people. Now, we, we seem to think of them, you know, we, we sing songs about them and uh, Christmas songs and all this. We think these great things. And it's kind of like even for us in America, you know, we see the Western shows on TV where the cattlemen were these glorified people, but in reality, nobody wanted the, the cattlemen in their town. They stank. They were rowdy. They, they were not very civilized because they were used to being out amongst themselves with the cows, and nobody wanted them. These were the type of people that the shepherds were. Nobody wanted them. And who did God go to show was the shepherds, which I just want to lay that, that stage. But even more importantly, I want to think about this. The shepherds were going about their daily boring business. Most of the time, being a shepherd was pretty easy. You sat up there and you watched your sheep. Every once in a while, you'd have to drive off a coyote or a lion or a bear or something. But most of the time, you just sat there watching sheep. And sheep, as long as you have them in a pen or a, a nice field or anything, are usually pretty docile animals. They don't get, too, get into too much trouble. They get into trouble when you're moving them, but when you put them on a pasture, they're pretty easy to get along with. Uh, they are dumb animals. Uh, I don't know if anybody's ever been around a sheep, but my, I had a, had a friend, and we were trying to get together for prayer at his house one day, and one of his sheep got behind a little, little hill and couldn't see the other sheep and went crazy. 
It was bleeding, it wouldn't move. It had walked behind a hill and couldn't see everybody else and it was in a panic. These are the things that the shepherds would have to deal with. You know, pretty simple stuff. You could just walk out to your sheep, you know, move it back to where it could see everybody. All right. So their job was pretty boring normally. Here they are out in the fields for another boring day. How many of us spend most of our life in just routine? Just another day doing what we normally do. Yes, every once in a while something will pop in and give us a little bit of excitement. You know, uh, it's kind of interesting at the prison because we are at a very minimum level thing. The, most of the COs love to have something happen. <laughs> They're trained to do something and they don't like being shepherds just watching these guys do nothing. You know, they look forward to the day when somebody, you know, they don't want to riot, don't get me wrong, they're not wanting to riot, but they want somebody to do something so that they can practice what, they, <laughs> what they've been trained to do. Uh, these are the shepherds, they're sitting out there going, okay, we're going to have another night, no, no coyotes, no, no, no wolves, no, no, no lions out here, you know, we're going to just have a nice quiet night. Most of us have just that nice quiet days, nights, weeks, months, years. <laughs> but in this particular night, God breaks in. And, you know, this is something, it was a, they had a repetitive life, and all of a sudden, there's an angel. Now, I've never, said, I've never seen an angel. The Bible describes angels, and what happens when everybody sees angels? They get afraid. They get very fearful. I don't know where the, the idea came in, but people got to the habit if they saw an angel, it meant they were going to die. I don't know where that, that thought process came up. You know, we still have that kind of idea of a death angel. And there were cases where angels would come and, you know, and kill large people. Hezekiah had, you know, 180,000 uh, Assyrians killed outside by one angel. Uh, Revelation 9, which we're reading this today, uh, one-third of the entire population of the world is killed by, by the angels that are released. So I guess there is some angels that are pretty deadly. But every time we see angels, there's fear involved with them when they come to it. And they usually fall down on their face, and the angels tell them to get up. They're not to worship the angels. And uh, this angel came, and he said to them, he goes, Fear not, behold, I bring you good tidings of great tidings of good news. Most of the time in our life, God is not going to step into our boring, repetitious life with an angel. All right? Uh, he's going to step in with reading, our wor reading the word, being taught, being challenged, having the Holy Spirit come down, you know, give us a message. The question is, are we going to listen? Now, I think in the, the shepherd's idea, they saw angels, and then they saw a lot of angels, you know, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. I mean, if I saw that much bright light, I probably would be very impressed as well. Uh, but I do want to keep pointing out that God does not usually step into our lives that way. When he talked to the prophet, he goes, he thundered out there, and he wasn't in the thunder. It was a whirlwind. He wasn't in the whirlwind, and then he spoke with a still, small voice. Most of the time, God steps into our day-to-day -day existence with a still, small voice that we have to be listening for. And, you know, this is something that we need to be able to understand. This was a miraculous thing. This was a big event. The Savior has been born. 
there's some miraculous events going on. There was already a star out there that was shining for him. Then all of a sudden, the angels came to these shepherds just going about their day. Can you imagine what that would be? You're probably going to work and you're going, well, here we go out to the wilderness again to watch these sheep. Another day where we get to watch the stars go, go from east to west and just get to look at the stars and just sit here in December in the desert, cold. You know, it's amazing how many people don't think the desert gets cold at night. You know, uh, we know better because we live in the desert. They lived in the desert and it got cold. It got cold. It snowed oftentimes in that area during the, during the winter. And if it was definitely the winter, then they're out there cold, watching their sheep. And these angels appear and they give a great message and then they just disappear. They don't, they don't chase them out to make sure they're following the message. They just said, hey, here's your message. And you're going to find this child laying in a manger. Now, that's not a whole lot of information to go find something, is it? Do you know what a manger is? It's a feeding trough for animals. How many mangers would there have been in the Bethlehem area, around the Bethlehem area and in Bethlehem? And they're told, go find a child lying in a manger. Now, it's an odd place to put a child in, in a feeding trough, but, you know, that kind of led them to something. But we kind of think of, well, it was not that big a deal, but that was what they fed the animals with. You know, it would be like telling our Westerners, go, go find them in, you know, go find the child laying in the watering trough in the Old West, where there's a watering trough in front of every single building. You know, this is, this is the, the job that they were going to be given. And the good thing is they acted on that message. They actually went out. Now, we, we're not told whether every one of the shepherds went there. They left one or two to watch the sheep. Sheep, or they said, oh, this is such a miraculous thing. We're just leaving all the sheep, and we're going we're gonna to go in. We don't know for sure how many. We do know that there were shepherds, at least two, and who knows how many more. But they actually acted on what they were told because this was an exciting thing. They had seen angels. They had seen angels deliver them a message. And they went out, and they acted upon it, and I don't know how many places they had to do, go to to search for this baby. Can you imagine this? It doesn't tell us what time in the night these angels showed up. But this was a time when, when the sun went down, you went to bed. And you stayed in bed until the morning time when the sun came up. Kind of like chloride. <laughs> uh, you, know, you go to bed when the sun goes down. You, you know, you're not quite that bad, but you know, th this place does die out once the sun goes down. Uh, and... Jerusalem, uh, Bethlehem would have been the same place. And these shepherds are looking for a baby laying in a manger. Uncouth, smelly, nobody wants them anywhere around. And how many doors did they go, how many barns and, and fields did they go looking at to go find a baby? We're not told how many, but, you know, again, mangers were common. These weren't uncommon things. It wasn't like, well, we know that the only manger out there is by the stable behind the inn. They would not know, have known that. They would have gone, we got to go find. And can you imagine they're going house to house looking for a baby laying in a manger? Come over to the first house. 
Uh, is there a baby laying in a manger in this house? The angels told us there's a baby in, laying in a manger in this house. Get out of here. I'm sleeping. What you, how crazy can you be? Go to the next door. Is there a baby laying in a manger in this house? Have you ever had to repeat the same question to somebody four or five times looking for an answer? How hard is it to keep repeating that same statement the fifth, sixth, seventh time and you start feeling like an idiot just having to ask the same question and they're treating you like an idiot for asking the same question? These shepherds are out there looking for a baby in a manger. And the first couple of ones are going, babies don't lay in manger. We have the cradle set up for the baby. What is wrong with you, you crazy shepherds? What are you doing knocking on my door? Or go away, we're trying to sleep. Have you ever thought about what that would have been like to be going looking for a baby at night in a place where you go to bed and, and the, when, the, when the sun goes down and they're looking for a baby laying in a manger? We always kind of think of it, well, they just ran straight to the manger. But it says they searched for, a ma- for the baby. Well, they had something. Who knows? The starlight. Who knows how they... Well, we don't know the star was there in Bethlehem because the, the wise men don't come until two years later. So, uh, But, they're, yeah, they're wandering around town. Who knows whether they've got torches or watering by star, starlight. They're used to sitting out in the middle of the darkness. So, But, you know, I, I thought about this. How hard was it? Do we, when God calls us to do something, are we willing to do the hard work to accomplish what he asks us to do? How easy is it for us to get discouraged when we don't get the results that we think we're supposed to get immediately? I understand that really well. I'm just like everybody else. I like to see immediate results. Even though I can be patient and wait for results, I like to see immediate results. These shepherds are out there knocking on doors, and it doesn't tell us how, how long they searched. It doesn't tell us how hard they searched. But for us, how many times has God called you and asked you to do something, and you did not see the results right away? We need to learn to be patient with what God asks us to do. Because it is so easy for us to say, oops, I didn't get it. I'm, I'm tired of it. I'm, I'm done. And believe me, I've been there. I've, I've had to do some investigations sometimes, trying to find out information. You ask the same question to, to four or five people, and it starts to get repetitive, and you start going, I'm tired of hearing the same question. I'm tired of hearing the same answers, I'm, you know, whatever it might be. But God says, I have a job for you. When he's called you to do something, look to the Spirit for the strength to do it and go out and do it. Now, again, I understand the shepherds had a nice, easy thing to do. It's hard, much, probably much harder to get discouraged in their, their place because angels had told them to look for this baby. But, you know, it wouldn't have taken long. The Egyptians, uh, the Israelites, when they left Egypt, they started grumbling against God, against God even before they'd gotten out, out across the Red Sea. They got to the Red Sea and, and found Pharaoh chasing after them. They go, you know, what did they tell Moses? There wasn't enough graves in, his, in Egypt, so you had to bring us out here to die? They started griping a day or two into the trip. And then God delivers them. They get across the Red Sea, and within a day, they're thirsty, and they're complaining again to God. 
God's done all these miracles. And we're going, man, if I'd seen those kind of miracles, I, wouldn't, I would have believed God. No, we wouldn't. We'd have been just as bad as they were. This is why I'm impressed with what the shepherds did. The shepherds went out and looked and searched and followed God in spite of all the issues that they were facing. Because I can tell you, there were a number of houses they would have gone to, knocked on the door, and they're going, what are you stinking shepherds doing here? No, even if I had a baby in here, I wouldn't want you to see my baby. You stink. Now, can you imagine what, you know, just some of the things that would have been said to them as they're going around trying to find a baby in a manger in the middle of the night? And yet they were obedient to go find this child. Now, I can almost picture it. In, in Bethlehem, not a huge town, 1,000, 2,000 people in it, max. How fast did the news of these crazy shepherds that are knocking on doors get around town, even in the middle of the night without telephones, as they're yelling at each other? Probably the talk of the town for weeks <laughs> afterwards. The crazy shepherds who came in the middle of the night looking for a baby because they, heard, they saw angels. What were they drinking? What were they smoking out there on the, on the plane? Now, they're, they're, you, you know how the kind of talk that would be going on because what happens in our small town when something happens, everybody knows about it. They think they do anyway. By the, end of the, by the end of the day or by the end of the week, they think they know what's going on, and by that time, the story's been blown out of proportion anyway. I feel sorry for the shepherds because who knows what stories were being told about these crazy shepherds coming out in the middle of the night looking for a baby in a manger. And waking up the whole town in the process. You know, and they're probably looking at, well, why would the angels go see shepherds? Why wouldn't they have gone to the mayor or the, or the doctor or the lawyer or the, or the priest? You know, why would they go to shepherds of all people? You know, uh, it's an amazing thing when God steps in that he uses people that the world would never think of using. I have watched over the years that God has used people that you're going, God, you really put that person in charge of a ministry? You really gave a ministry to that person? And God has used them greatly. So if you're one of those people who think, well, God will never use me, look at some of the people God used in the scriptures. Shepherds. He used, we're going to talk about them next, next week. Uh, yeah. The two old people in the temple that when they, you know, yeah, there we go. I even know their names. Yeah, you know, very old people. You know, the woman, by the, by the information we're given, is about 105 years old and waiting to see the Messiah. He used shepherds. He used very lowly people to be able to minister. He used Moses who said, I can't even speak, to lead about three and a half million people for 40 years. He used Noah, and we don't know anything about Noah, then he found grace, but Noah built a boat. Probably by himself with his kids, you know, for, took, him, took him over 120 years to make it, but he built a big boat. Yeah. Now, so what can God use you to do if you are willing to sacrifice your time and act on what he asks?
But the key is not just being asked to do it, but to step out by faith. Sometimes the hardest thing to do is to step out by faith because it's like, God, this is too big a job. I can't, I can't figure out how to do it. And God says, that's okay, I'm with you. Do you realize that with God, nothing is impossible? That is given through the scriptures several times. If God is on your side and he's calling you to do something, step out by faith and do it. Because it is him that gives the strength to do it. Now, as they did this, the people responded in several ways. First and foremost, it tells us that they wondered at what they heard. Do you know when you share God with people, most people wonder if you're number one, if you're crazy. Now, you actually know what God says. You know, you're going to tell me something from God. And unfortunately, sometimes even Christians will think you're crazy. And that's sad because we should have the faith to be able to have faith that God, God spoke to you. But most people and the majority of the people are just going to wonder, are you crazy? What was said? I wonder if they're true. I wonder if what you said was right. That is going to be one attitude. Mary's attitude was very interesting because it said she kept those things in her heart and pondered them, meditated on them. Now, we've talked about Mary a lot, and Mary was told she was going to have the Messiah as a, as a baby. Now, that was a big enough issue. I'm going to have the Son of God who's going to be the ruler of the world and reign forever. That is what she knew about it. Uh, she didn't understand the suffering Savior part and all of that stuff on there because that's really not what they looked at. Uh, but she ends up, every time somebody comes up, she goes, another piece of the puzzle being put together. She had an angel talk to her and tell her she was going to be having a baby without having a, any, any uh, relationship with a man. The uh, angel actually talked to Joseph so Joseph wouldn't divorce her. And she remembered that. Now shepherds are showing up to tell them that God has announced to them that the baby's been born. And she ponders, why? What is this? What really is going on with this child? I know it's special because it's God's child, but what exactly is it going to mean? Later on, uh, she gets the blessing at the temple. Then she gets the blessing from the wise men who come to visit her. And then they get another angelic vision telling them to leave, leave uh, Bethlehem area and, and head to Egypt. You know, and then we're told that they get news that it's time to go back all these special messages that she gets. And before we start thinking about this, I and mean, a lot of these were really quick, but you know how many times does God say something to us and then leave us alone for a while? Now we read the scriptures, and I've said this many times, we read the scriptures and we look at somebody like Abraham, and Abraham's one of the greatest prophets and the patriarch of Israel. Out of his entire lifetime, of 120 plus years, we end up with like six events out of his life where God touches, says something to him. Now, one of the things we need to recognize is we think sometimes that God, a life of following God is nothing but excitement and God stepping in and telling us to this and telling us that and telling us this. Most of the time with God, it, he tells us what to do. He expects us to do it. And then someplace down the road, he'll step back in and tell us something else to do and expect us to do it. 
And if you read any biographies, you see the, the Christian biographies, you see the same thing. God, God does things at various times, and it may be years to two years between each big event of their life. We need to learn to just be faithful in what we are told to do. And if we don't do what we were told to do, God's not going to speak to us anymore because he's expecting us to do what we were told to do. Now, I've had many employees in my lifetime go, you know, what should I do? Well, I go, you might want to finish the job I told you to do first. Now, I can't give you another job until you complete the one that, that you're supposed to have done yesterday or an hour ago or whatever it might be. God's the same way. He tells us what to do. He expects us to step out like the shepherds did and move on it. So we want to be encouraged to that. And then the shepherds themselves, they glorified God. Can you imagine how this event changed their lives? We saw angels. We saw the Messiah. Their whole life would have been totally turned upside down. And you know, we need to keep remembering, I've shared with this many times, if, if you're not already doing this, keep a diary, keep a book of answered prayers so that when you go through the hard, dry spots where you don't, you don't think God's listening to you, He's not answering you, you can go back and say, oh yes, this was answered, this was answered, this was done, this was done. Now these shepherds had a dramatic thing. This was going to change their life forever. I don't think they could ever forget this event. Having said that, I know that Israelites forgot all their miracles over their, over their lifetime, and I know people forget things. But they glorified and rejoiced in God. And they let everybody know because they had seen something. Is your joy of your salvation so strong that you tell people? Are you excited about what God has done for you in your life? God has changed my life. I've always been excited. I like telling people about what God has done for me. I like telling people how God has changed my life. And I still do. Not quite as much as I did when it first happened, but I still love to tell people what God has done in my life. Refresh yourself. Remember what God has done. How did he change you when you became a Christian? What changed in your life? Share that with people. You know, we teach people how to witness, how to go through the Romans road, how to use the four spiritual laws, how to do all kinds of faith, the faith one, you know, faith evangelism. But you know, the most important thing is just what the, the shepherds got to do. We saw those angels. They told us to go find the, the, the Messiah and we did. When, they, when we read they, that his name, you're looking for Christ, you know, we think of the name Jesus Christ as being his name, and it's not. It's Jesus, his name, and Christ, his title. Christ means anointed one, or in Jewish, Messiah. So when they told him that he was the, uh, the Christ, it wasn't saying, his, oh, he's Jesus Christ, go around looking for Jesus Christ. No, that would be Jesus, the anointed one, the Messiah. And they were told that the Messiah had been born. What excitement that would be for them. The Messiah is here. We're going to go find the Messiah, the rescuer of the nation, the ruler of the nation. What do you do with Jesus? What do you do when you hear God's word telling you to go do something? The book that we use to, to learn about in the Bible has a whole bunch of commands in it. How many of these commands do we follow? We're memorizing two commands, you know, this, this month. 
Rejoice evermore and pray without ceasing. In the Greek, those are commands. They don't sound quite like commands in English, but they are imperative commands in the Greek. We are to rejoice evermore and pray without ceasing. That whole section of 1 Thessalonians 5 is a whole series of short commands. Read them. Read all the rest of them. And start asking God to help you live by the commands he's given you. When Jesus goes, he said, go make disciples of all nations. And that wasn't just meant for the disciples. It's meant for all of his followers. Go and make disciples. That doesn't mean we have to go to the foreign, foreign fields to do it. We have plenty of places to make disciples, even within our own families, within our own towns, within our own area. There are people that need to be discipled. What is a disciple? Somebody who learns. What do we want to teach them? About Jesus. What do you know about Jesus? Have you shared what you know about Jesus to others? One thing I can tell everybody, there's always somebody who doesn't know as much as you know about Jesus. doesn't matter what, how much or little you know about him. There's always people who don't know as much about him as you know. And if you listen to many of my Bible studies and everything, you know quite a bit more than most people know about Jesus. Share that with others. Disciple them. Teach them to know Jesus. Because that's what we're all about. We're in about a relationship with God. One thing I love about Christianity, it is not religion. Religion is making a bunch of rules to how to appease a deity. Christianity is a relationship with the deity. Then that is bought through Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross and his shedding of his blood and his resurrection that allows us to be able to have a relationship with him. And that is totally different than here's your 28 rules to follow. Or if you want the Jewish number, 613 rules to follow. That's just the Old Testament. That doesn't count all the rules from the New Testament. And I haven't even dared to count those ones because I'd have to go find and find every imperative statement in the New Testament to find all the rules in the New Testament. I do know there's lots of them. But we are in a relationship because we can't earn favor with God. We can only come to Jesus and say, I accept your sacrifice. We need to be able to teach people that and then teach them to walk in that relationship which is not by following rules, because everybody wants rules. Tell me the 10 things to be a better Christian. Give me the 10 steps to be. <laughs> you know, over and over we go with these, you know, just tell me what to do and I'll go do it. Well, you can't do enough to please God. And this is the problem. This is why we follow what we're told as a relationship and we grow in that relationship and trust in God. Lord, we ask you to bless this time. Lord, help us to have the faith to walk out with you and step out and do what you've asked us to do. Lord, we ask you to help those who don't know you that today they would say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I believe that you died for my sins and to pay for mine, that you will clothe me in your righteousness so I can enter heaven. And have them talk to somebody that knows you. And Lord, for those of us who are Christians, Lord, teach us to listen to your voice and then to act on what we hear. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Listening friend, do you know where you'll go after you die? Without the gift of Jesus, it will be an eternity in hell without God. Good works will not get you there. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. 
To spend eternity with God, we must recognize that we are sinners in need of Christ. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. To be assured eternal life, we simply talk to God, admit you are a sinner, and ask him for his free gift. You must mean the words to get the, to be answered. Jesus is waiting to hear your request. If you have asked him for eternal life, he has come into you and he will change you. Start reading the book of Ephesians and see what God says about your new life. After you understand the book of Ephesians, you can start reading the Gospel of John. Next, find a good Bible teaching church. Tell the pastor about your decision for God and be taught. If you contact us, we will send you a new believer booklet free of charge. Congratulations and grow in Christ. You can contact us by email at office at chloridebaptistchurch.com or by snail mail at P.O. Box 65, Chloride, Arizona, 86431. We are happy to help with your new life in Christ or even answering Bible questions. Again, congratulations on your decision for Christ.